Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Looking for and hastening the coming of the Lord. That word hastening means a strong desire. It means to desire earnestly. So you're looking for and you're strongly desiring the coming of the day of God, verse 12, because of which the heavens will be dissolved. Again, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, verse 13, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Pastor Rob completes the second epistle of Peter with the strong hope that we as Christians have by explaining the day of the Lord. Oh, that glorious day. Jesus tells us himself of his coming in Mark chapter 13, verse 26. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. This is our hope. And as Christians, we look forward to that day of the Lord. And now, let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes Peter's second epistle. I mean, you can get a lot more with honey than you can with, uh, with vinegar, right? So we don't need to scare people. Um, there's enough frightful things just reading the Word of God to them, honestly. We don't need to add to it. But it's not as will that any should perish. But it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. This, uh, this phrase, day of the Lord, is really an extended period of time. It's not like a 24-hour period. It's a, it's a period of time. And it begins after the rapture of the church and continues through the tribulation period, through the millennium, and culminates when God creates this new heavens and the new earth that's recorded for us in Revelation chapter 21. And this phrase, the day of the Lord, it occurs many times in the Bible. And there are two phases of, the, of this future day of the Lord. One is a phase of judgment, which we know, the great tribulation period. That's a phase, uh, that's a tribulation, that's where it, it's, it's not good. And, and there's a lot spoken in the Bible about the judgment portion of the day of the Lord. It's, it, it's seven years of, of, of nasty, horrible things. And yet phase two is the blessing when the millennial kingdom where there is light and it lasts for a thousand years rather than seven years of chaos and total destruction. I like that. It's almost like God's saying, seven years or a thousand years, what would you prefer? <laughs> I'll take the thousand years of blessing. You know, that's what I want. 
But there's so many scriptures concerning this. It is. The, the, the day of the Lord is predominantly a, a time of God's wrath and vengeance on an earth that has rejected Christ and that has rejected his word. In Isaiah chapter 13, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, beginning in verse 9, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened and it's going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible, or those who are awesome, in the world's eyes anyway. And these are horrible things that are coming. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men's servants, not my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And that has happened and, and is happening. And I will show, here it is, the wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The, sh- the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming, before the parousia, of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Does that frighten you? If you're not born again this morning, there's some awful things coming. And that's the bad news. And it's awful because I deserve that. Before I came to Christ, and even now actually, I deserve that judgment. And that's just a physical judgment. And what happens after the judgment? Now we're talking about an eternity separated from God and hell. And it's even worse because it's not just a physical seven-year period now. Now we're talking about eternity. So how important is it for us to make our calling and election sure? How important it is to make the decision today, Lord, I want to be all in with you. I want to be, my heart wants to be completely governed by you. I want everything you want from me, Lord. I want to give everything, whatever that means. Even if it means I'm working a full-time job, as long as I'm being a light there when I can be, and I'm being a faithful dad, I'm being a faithful father, I'm being a faithful grandpa, a faithful grandmother. Do those things until he returns. Do those things, because what's coming outside of Christ, if you don't know Jesus, there is a horrible thing on the earth and afterwards, that you've got to look forward to. And it's nothing to look forward to, folks. And it's no game. It's no just some kind of story that's been made up. These things are going to happen. You can look at Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 through 8. Um, it, it even talks about even more the, of these horrible things. And in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, it says, For behold, the day is coming, this day of the Lord is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. And you can read Revelation 6 through 19, chapter 6 through 19, a very difficult time in world history known as the Great Tribulation. But as I said before, it's also a time of God's blessing because the second phase of that day of the Lord program, if you will, is the blessing when they're in the millennium. In Zephaniah chapter 3, it says this, Sing, O daughter of Zion, and shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, for the Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. Is he going to be in our midst in the... Uh, even for the Jews as well as for the Gentile, the church in this, this new, I'm sorry, in this uh, millennial reign. Is Jesus going to be there? He is. 
in the millennial kingdom. He's going to be sitting on a, on a, on a throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And even afterwards, when this heavens and earth dissolves and a new heaven and a new earth are created, the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, he, God the Father and God the Son, are going to be the light of that. And it'll never be day or never be night there. It'll always be light for eternity. And that is our eternal state. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. Looking so forward to that. But that millennial reign is a is a time of blessing for those who are redeemed. You can also look at Ezekiel chapter 40 through 47. It talks about this millennial reign. It talks about the building of that temple that is yet to be built in Jerusalem. Not the, not the temple that the Antichrist is going to build, but when Jesus comes down and sets his foot on the Mount of Olives, he is going to start his thousand-year reign, and he is going to create a temple. And the dimensions for it? The plans, the architecture, are all there in Ezekiel 40 through 47. You can read it for yourself. And you'll also see in those chapters that David himself will be resurrected and be a king under, under Jesus, of course, but he will be a king and a prince in that new Jerusalem. Or in that, I'm sorry, not the new Jerusalem, but in that Jerusalem of that time. But this phrase, the day of the Lord, it occurs in Acts chapter 2. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 2, he says to them, Paul says to the Thessalonians, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul says to them again in a second letter, he says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, his second coming, concerning it, do not be shaken. And in our, in our gathering together, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin, who is the Antichrist, who we know, is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits in the, as, as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And in Revelation chapter 19, we saw this. This day of the Lord that we, in Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, Now I say, now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Again, when Jesus comes the second time to the earth, physically to the earth, it's not going to be a party for those on the earth. It's going to be a day of judgment. And so it's so important that we are in Christ. So important that we give our hearts to him. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born from above. You're born with that old nature, Nicodemus, but you need to be born from above. You need to be born by the Spirit of God. And it's for the asking. It's, it's, God wants to give it to you. You don't have to beg him. You can just say, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. I want to be born again. I want, to be, I want your Spirit to indwell me permanently. That's what it means. And he works on the inside 
and that work that he works on the inside will eventually start to show itself outwardly. Your thoughts, your attitudes will change. Your desires are going to change. You're still going to struggle, but you're going to have an uh, you're going to have the greatest advocate in your heart, in your being, the very spirit of God. But notice this time in Revelation, we're not going to finish reading this, but it's a time of war. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be ugly. He is going to be beautiful, but what happens on the earth is going to be horrific. And it lays it out for us there in Revelation 19, 11 through 21. But notice in verse 11, it says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Because everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Obviously, we don't purify ourselves. We can't purify ourselves. But there are certain things that we can do to stay away from things that we know that are not good. And in that way, you testify to the fact that what God has done in you, you're going to, by his grace and by the indwelling and the power of his spirit, you're going to put feet on those things and begin to stay away from those things. That's really what it means. Looking for and hastening the coming of the Lord. That word hastening means a strong desire. It means to desire earnestly. So you're looking for and you're strongly desiring the coming of the day of God, verse 12, because of which the heavens will be dissolved. Again, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, verse 13, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness in which righteousness dwells. Jesus certainly did promise. He's made a lot of promises. Remember what he said to, uh, to the disciples on that night before he was taken, or the night that he was taken? He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to be crucified on the cross just hours from now, guys. But if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Once I die on the cross, I've told you that on the third day I'm going to rise again. And he was on the earth for 40 days before he ascended. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might also be. So he did make the promise. And he's also made a promise as well for this new heavens and this new earth. Even in the Old Testament, Isaiah said this, For behold, Isaiah 65 verse 17, God speaking in here, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. 700 years before Jesus was even incarnate in human flesh, the prophet said, God speaking, I'm creating a new heaven. I am. I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. That's a promise. It's a promise. Isaiah 65, verse 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants and your name remain, speaking to the Jews. And we know that he's going to fulfill that promise based on Revelation 21. Again, for the third time I've mentioned this verse, because John says, Now I saw heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was also no more sea. Let's go on to verse 14. It says, Therefore, beloved, look forward, Looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him, found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. Notice he doesn't say sinless, because <laughs> we're, we're still sinners, aren't we? Even if we're Christians, we're still sinners. We're probably sinning less than we used to. 
And we're more aware of our sin than we ever used to be because we, we can confess it and be forgiven. We know that. And consider that the long-suffering or the patience of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. I'll be honest, when I read some of the letters of Paul, they're, 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 they're involved. You can't just read them and go, I got it. <laughs> you have to read it and really pray and think about it. Even Peter said that which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also do the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you should also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. And this steadfastness is a steadfastness of of mind. You know, our mind. Boy, the devil can do so much with a mind. He can't touch you if you're a believer in Christ, but boy, he like, even as Christians, he likes to mess with you, mess with your mind. But if you have the truth in you, you're going to be able to discern what's going on. You're going, to, you're going to know something's going on. And the best thing you can do as a child of God when you're met with him, you don't argue with him. You don't um, yell at him and scream at him and rebuke him in the name of God. No, you get on your face and you cry out to God for help and let him go before you and Jesus will take care of your adversary that's where we need to be verse 18 but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and forever amen amen there's something wonderful about walking in the grace of God instead of walking in legalism grace is wonderful But knowing grace, knowing God's unmerited favor, ought to produce within us a holy fear and a holy love. Because when I grow in grace, that means that I'm growing in his unmerited favor. He's given me the ability now to not get so crazy and so wigged out on every little thing. He he, he tempers you. It's almost like he allowed... Remember the rubber band? Is it still here? I put it here because I, I use the illustration so much. You know, when, you, when he stretches you and you're at your limit and, and you're, you're like feeling like you're going to die, and then all of a sudden the trial is over and you're like this, and all of a sudden when a trial like that happens again, you're like, I know the faithfulness of God. He's brought me to that breaking point before and he's not going to break me. He didn't break me then, he's not going to break me now. I can trust him even though it's way over my head. It's way over my head. I don't have the strength to deal with this, but I know that he does. And regardless if your family member passes away, regardless if you lose your job the same exact day, regardless if the same day the oncologist calls you and says, you've got a massive tumor, it's the size of your head. Actually, it is your head. We have to remove your head. All that could happen in one day, and you could be like, Calgon, take me away. And yet God takes you to the end of yourself, and he stretches you, and he stretches you, and pretty, so, pretty soon you're just this elastic thing. And now when the storms hit, you're just like, bring it on. Not in, not in haughtiness, but in saying, you know what, Lord? You have been so good to me. You've been with me through the trials, through the storms. I don't need to worry. I know you're going to be there with me. You're not going to leave me comfortless. You're not going to leave me as an orphan. You promised to come for me. And you promised to be with me to the end of the age, which we are living in the end of the age. Be encouraged. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, but don't let scoffers, false teachers, 
false prophets get into your head. Don't follow them on YouTube. Don't follow their TV channel. You follow the Word of God. You follow Jesus Christ as it is written in the Word of God, and you will be just fine. You will be safe, and you will live a very blessed life. I can tell you that. Is it going to be a life that's going to be free from troubles and problems? No. You're probably going to, you might even have some more. Because you're a little minnow swimming upstream in a current that's coming at you at a high velocity. You're a little minnow swimming like this, and there are great white sharks coming the other direction at full speed. And there's schools of them. And the only reason you haven't been devoured is because you're so small they can't even see you. But you trust in Jesus Christ. You stay on to him. You hold him. Like I was using that illustration the other day when my, my daughter was real young, she would, we'd have these leg rides at, at, at bedtime. She'd grab my foot, and she'd sit on my foot, and she was small enough to where I could actually lift my foot and, and walk up the stairs, and we'd take her to bed, and we could pray with her, right? She can't, we can't do that now. But, but you hold on to Jesus just like that. You hold on to him, and you don't let go. And even if you let go, he will never let go of you. He will never let go of you, even though you're grasped, your knuckles are white, and you're losing strength. And I love it because sometimes he's just waiting for us to just say, Lord, I can't do it. And you just take your hands off. And what's underneath? The everlasting arms. I love what it says. Let me just read this to you, and I promise we'll stop. I thank you for bearing with me. In John chapter 10, I love this. One of my favorite verses, and I hope it will become one of yours. Jesus said, and I will give them. He says, my sheep hear my voice. This is uh, John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. Notice, Jesus gives you eternal life. No one else does. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. If you're in Christ, you will never, ever perish. You'll never see the second death. This body may die, but you're going to be with him forevermore in a new body. He says, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither, notice, shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one, no notice, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Are you secure when you let go of the rope and you're like, had too much and you just you can't you have no more strength well you know what you enter into a great number of people and there's nothing to be ashamed of because you know in who you believe in when i let go because of my unbelief or my struggle my sin whatever it is he's gonna he's gonna he knows you if you're one of his you're one of his it's a done deal now you can just rest in his everlasting arms will you rest in his arms will you trust him when your faith is failing is he going to berate you because your faith is weak? Or does he, like a, when he sees the smoking flax, does he fan it to fan it into a flame and into a great fire? That's what he does. The world and everything in it and the devil will just blow it out and throw a pail of water on it. But not Jesus. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's one who will hold you to the very end. And remember that promise. Nothing is going to hold, keep you out of his hand, if you're his, regardless of what you go through, folks, he's got you. He has got you. Do you believe it? Do you, he's got you. Do you want him that much? I do. I want to be like my daughter was to my leg. I want to grab a hold of him, and wherever he goes, I want to go, and I want to stick to him. I want to stick to him. I want to cleave to him. Let's do that together. Let's stand together. 
Father, we just thank you for this time. We pray that, Lord, you bless us all as we go from here, Lord. Pour out your spirit on us, Lord. Help us to not fear, but to trust in you, Lord. And we just give you thanks and praise for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob begins a study in the Old Testament book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.